Welcome, friends, to our second season of the Reynolds Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Reynolds, and this podcast is meant to encourage and bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. And also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and online at rayreynoldsrap.com. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, rappers, to the Reynolds Rap Podcast. It is such a pleasure to be with you, as always, today. And I am so grateful you've taken the time to spend these moments with me and meditating on things that can hopefully help you in a practical way and keep us positive as we look forward to entering into this Easter weekend. And I know we are excited. Our youth group's excited. We're taking a small group, not as large as we would like, but because of COVID concerns and previous plans, uh, we're only able to take uh, about 12, maybe 12 people to Lads to Leaders this year. And if you're not familiar with Lads to Leaders, it is a leadership training program that is sponsored by the Church of Christ. And we, each year on Easter Sunday, take our young people down to a convention. For us, we go to Orlando And uh, our kids get to lead songs and give speeches and participate in puppet skits and debate and all kinds of great activities, art and uh, teaching. And just it's just a great ministry. And so uh, we do that every Easter Sunday. So it's 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 a time of the year we look forward to for that reason. Um, But obviously with Easter coming up, there's a lot of people in our in our world today that will take this weekend, really this full week, the Passion Week to think about Jesus, to think about Jesus's death on the cross and then essentially his resurrection, which we, most people will look at uh, Easter Sunday as that day. Now, I know I've done an article before. I'm going to turn it into a blog this week uh, about Easter and kind of the traditions that are behind the holiday and how we got to this point of, you know, hiding Easter eggs and, and looking for a bunny to hop around and leave chocolates out for our kids to melt all over their fingers and so forth. And, and, and we all get into the habits of, uh, of dying eggs and, and usually wearing something really nice on Sunday for some photos. And, and I don't know what your Easter traditions are. I know growing up, the churches where we were at, we usually had an Easter egg hunt. If it wasn't on Easter Sunday, it may be the week before Easter. And we'd usually go over to a member's house or in the parking lot of the church and hide eggs and eat chocolate and hang out and talk. And we usually had a message on that Sunday about uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And so I wanted to take a few moments in our podcast today to talk about the resurrection in a, in a, in a way that hopefully it can help you in a practical way to deal with doubters, with people that aren't really sure what to think about Jesus, not really sure what to think about Easter and about the resurrection. When it comes to the resurrection, people love to throw out some really strange theories. In fact, I'm often surprised at some of the theories that I've been told, and I'm going to give you about nine different ones that uh, I have heard over the years, and, and, and I'm sure you've probably heard some more as well. But I want to share these these with you because I think they're probably the most prominent theories and and interpretations of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, for those of us who are Christians, this probably sounds foreign to us because we've studied through the Gospels. We've read the story about Jesus going to the cross. We know he fulfilled prophecy. Um, and then he died on the cross exactly as he said he was going to do. 
uh, spent three days in the grave, and then rose again, just as he promised he would do, and then appeared to his disciples. You know, we read 1 Corinthians 15, and we read that he appeared to at least 500 on one occasion. So there's really no telling how many people uh, he returned to speak to, to visit with, to show his scars to, and so forth. So from a Christian perspective, we're, we're pretty solid. You know, we say, hey, we believe in the resurrection. Um, for New Testament Christians, we also believe that, that baptism symbolizes uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's why we practice it, as Romans 6 teaches us. We go down into the water, we're buried, we're raised up out of the water in a resurrection, and that's the new birth Jesus speaks of in John 3. It's what Peter preaches on in Acts 2, and you know, we can go on through Galatians 3, 26 and 27. We can go to 1 Peter. We can, I mean, so many different stories in the Gospels even tell the conversion stories. And it, it's because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But let's, let's look at it from a worldly perspective for just a minute. And I want to share with you some of the, the fables or folklore uh, theories that where people are trying to attribute to the story of Jesus as a non-historical event, a non-biblical event. Because there are people, if you go to a university, or if you read a lot online, or if you spend any time going through secular books and textbooks and historical books, they even now have tried to rewrite the history of the entire world when it comes to A.D. and B.C. They don't use those terms anymore. They say B.C.E., and that's not before Christ existed. That means before the Common Era. And then after the Common Era would be A.C.E. instead of Anno Domini, the Year of the Lord, and so forth. But we still keep the dates from when they assumed at the time that they broke up the calendar um, that, that Jesus was born. So everything really revolves... Our calendars revolve around the historical Jesus, but we're going to set aside that for a moment and just listen to some of the theories that people give. Now, I want to start also by saying these are not theories I believe. These are not theories that I take with any credibility whatsoever, but these are theories you're going to have people say to you, and we're going to see how preposterous really that they are. So the first one that we learned about, I learned about this in Case for Biblical Christianity and uh, and in uh college at, at IBC in Florence, Basil Overton taught our course, and he taught us about the swoon theory. That's S-W-O-O-N, the swoon theory. The swoon theory is that they these people that teach this particular theory say Jesus didn't actually die. There was Jesus that lived on the earth. Whether or not he performed the miracles and things is completely up to interpretation, but they believe in a historical Jesus they just say he swooned or he was drugged. And they'll look at places, even if they're going to look at the New Testament, like Mark 15, 23, where Jesus is offered vinegar and wine. You know, he's offered a drug, if you want to call it that. That's say he was basically, he was drugged or he was so exhausted that he swooned, but he didn't actually die. And after they removed him from the cross, the disciples hid him away. So that therefore, you know, they may have even put him in the tomb. Uh, Matthew 28, uh, 11 through 15, when they came to see where Jesus' body was, it wasn't there. So the swoon theory is he just kind of, he was drugged or he he just kind of passed out. Uh, and then when they removed him from the cross, the disciples scooted him away. That's their theory, the swoon theory. Another one that's prominent is what I call the spirit theory. And that is that, that there's a, a group of people that may teach 
that Jesus's spirit returned. Like basically they saw a ghost, but that it was not his body, that he truly did die on the cross, but he never raised up. The disciples and other people saw Jesus in a spiritual form, but his body was never actually removed from the tomb. That story, that part of the story never existed. They just thought they saw his ghost or his spirit. And and some people like this will be religious people who will allege that even in scripture, there are stories of spirits being seen when their physical body wasn't present. You know, you can go back to the story of Samuel where Saul, you know, calls him back from the, the dead. You could talk about, um, uh, you know, several different, characters, Bible characters that like um, Elijah and Moses, for instance, on the Mount of Transfiguration, there's a spiritual form of the person that is seen, but it's not the person in a bodily form. And so some people will teach this. They'll say they saw Jesus's spirit, but not his body because his body was in the grave and, and never removed. Another theory is the vision theory. That is uh, the theory that the disciples hallucinated You know, they wanted to believe Jesus had risen so badly that they basically believed it into existence. A lot like, you know, you may, when you're laying there at night, especially when you're children, you, you lay there at night and you see something move. You think it's a monster under the bed or a monster in the closet. It turns out not to be, but that did not stop you from hallucinating, from believing something was there, even though it wasn't. So that's one of the theories, this vision theory, this hallucination theory. That Jesus, they wanted Jesus to raise up so bad that it didn't actually happen, but they believed it was him. And they might go to, say, John 20 as an example and say, you know, that they they, they encountered him uh, at one occasion and he, he walked through walls. And they're going to talk about the road to Emmaus. You know, he just disappears because it was simply a vision that they thought they saw him, but they actually didn't. It was just a, a hallucination. Uh, the fourth one is the myth theory or the legend theory, that the resurrection is completely a myth. It's a story meant to encourage a moral teaching with a teaching point that a real man named Jesus may have existed, may not have. It really isn't necessary to prove the value of the story. But the story was invented to prove moral value and to prove about good teaching, you know, the the golden rule, but he's basically a historical, uh, only in the sense that in a novel form, in a, a completely um, fictional form, it's just a myth, it's just a legend, he probably never existed. And if he did, all the stories acquainted with him are just legend or myth. Like, did George Washington cut down the cherry tree or did he not? You know, kind of like that. And you'll hear people quote and they'll say, well, that's a a quote from Abraham Lincoln. In our fellowship in the Church of Christ, it's everything that happens. It was something quoted by Marshall Keeble or Guy in Woods or Gus Nichols or Franklin Camp or something. We don't even know that they actually said some of the things, but we just we quote it and we automatically want to give them credit for that. You probably do that, too. You say, well, here's something I learned from my grandfather or my grandmother. And you may not ever remember them saying it, but it's a good, wise teaching. So you associate it with a good, wise person. That's the theory that some people will use against Christians. They'll say it's just a myth. It's just a legend. It didn't actually happen, but it proves a moral point. And so we have no problem with you teaching about Jesus. He probably didn't exist. If he did, so what? But it's just the the things that he did, the miracles, those are kind of myths. They're just fables. Um, And so that's, that's one theory. Another one, a very prominent theory, is called the stolen body theory. And 
this is one that I know C.S. Lewis, there are other Christian apologists that will identify this as a major theory. I waited a little further down the list because it's probably more familiar to you. Um, but the stolen body theory basically is that somebody, Jesus did die on the cross, but somebody took the body from the tomb. Somebody went and took his body for the tomb. The, the first group of people accused of doing this is the Jews because the Jews did not want them to take the body of Jesus and to then have somebody else pretend to be Jesus as if he had raised from the grave. So they actually took his body and disposed of it in a different place because they didn't want, they wanted to make sure that nothing bad happened. Now I'll pause here for just a second and say that doesn't make any sense for me for the Jews to do that. But that's what they, that's what some people say. Some people say also that maybe the Romans took the body that they stole the body. They hid the body. They didn't want they didn't want the Jews to get it because they would desecrate it. They didn't want the Christians to get it because they might try to manufacture some story about a resurrection. So they actually took the body away. They hid it in a particular location so that no one else would know. Another one is that the disciples stole the body. That's the most prominent view is that the disciples stole the body. That was even the story that was circulated in Matthew 28, 11 through 25, is the Jews said, tell people that the disciples stole the body, and the Romans did that. The Romans and the Jews kind of worked hand in hand, and they actually told the story. So some some people who are basically anti-Christian will say even in your own documents, it was circulated that Jesus's body was stolen. So anything else that happened after the fact cannot be attributed to Jesus the Christ or Jesus the one who who lived during that particular time because they stole the body away. Where is the body? We don't know, but it was stolen. And then another thought is that maybe it wasn't the disciples, but maybe it was Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus. When they went in to anoint the body, maybe by giving that special permission by the Romans, which they did get, according to Scripture, maybe they went in and said, you know what, instead of just like putting spices on, maybe they had an ulterior motive that they would sneak the body out of the tomb. And Joseph Arimathea, by the way, he carved the tomb. It was his own tomb, remember? And he seems to be somebody related to the family. If he if he gets if he gets paperwork from the Roman government with permission to go and anoint it with spices, that's that only a relative could have such permission. So uh, even some Catholics teach that Joseph of Arimathea was probably a cousin or an uncle of Jesus, and that's how he got this this theory. In fact, they teach the traditions of Glastonbury that Joseph of Arimathea used to go and take Jesus to Glastonbury, England, when Jesus was a young boy. And Mary Magdalene and Mary actually visited Glastonbury, England, and, and it's, it's supposed that maybe even Mary established a church there or maybe even died there. So there's these crazy myths and stories that come back to the fact maybe Joseph of Arimathea had such a close connection to the family that he stole the body so that James and Jude and, and, and Mary and the other family members wouldn't feel so humiliated that Jesus really was the Messiah. He did raise up. And so uh, anything else that happened afterwards is probably just a myth, but that maybe Joseph stole the body and kept it from the Romans and from the Jews. Again, this seems really odd to me because I don't know how you're going to sneak a body out of Jerusalem when it was guarded, it was sealed, and it was well known that the disciples thought he was going to raise up. And the Jews knew that, the Romans knew that, I mean, the disciples knew that, everybody knew that. And also, too, remember that at this point, I hate to interject when we're doing these theories, but I can't help but interject the fact that 
The disciples were in fear of the Romans. They were in fear of the Jews. They thought they were next. Jesus already told them, if they're going to kill me in a cross, what do you think they're going to do to you? So for them to steal the body, it would be extremely difficult to, to get a body out. There was a movie that came out just a few years ago where a Roman officer was given the, uh, and it's kind of fictional story, but it's the story is this man is given the chance to try to find out what happened to the body of Jesus. And he spends the entire movie going to graveyards, you know, checking hands and feet to see a nail prints, to see if he looks like Jesus. And, and that those things may have happened in the time of the resurrection. Where's his body? We don't know. Um, and so what do you do with the eyewitnesses? Well, some of these people would discount that. They'd say, I don't really think that's possible. But that's the stolen body theory. Uh, the sixth one, if you're keeping track, is the wrong tomb theory. And that is that the disciples were under such distress and grief that when they went back to the tomb, Mary Magdalene went back to the tomb in John 20, 11 through 18, she found it empty because it was the wrong tomb. They they were unaware of exactly which tomb Jesus was placed in. So when she got there and it was empty, and the disciples, uh, Peter and John, run to the tomb, they, they find it empty. It was all just uh, a misunderstanding, that they didn't know the tomb where Jesus was laid. Now that, again, sounds a little hokey to me because Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus were well-known by the disciples. They're the ones that went there. Mary also knew exactly where he was. There's the encounter there in John 20. But nevertheless, that's a theory, is that his body was not there because they were at the wrong tomb. That's plausible in their mind. Uh, number eight. No, no, wait, wait, number seven. Sorry. <laughs> number seven is the deliberate lie. They, There are people, and a lot of people, will teach that the disciples completely fabricated the resurrection story for profit. They made up the story. There never was a resurrection. And in fact, most of Jesus' miracles were done in small groups, so that never happened. That the entire story of Jesus was a hoax, was a myth, to basically break free from Jewish stronghold. And also to impact the Roman government, to have other Jews and people who were, say, even of the Essene faith, the Qumran community, and those that were hiding and, and trying to support and, and, and suppress uh, certain documents to try to make sure that the Jews were kept away from certain persecution and that their books were preserved and their traditions were preserved and this group of disciples just basically gets fed up with all of it and says, let's revolt against the Roman government. The oppression that they're bringing upon us is is terrible. And so they want to lead a rebellion. So how do you do that? Well, you invent a story about how this man was here and he did great things. In fact, there's even some confusion with Herod as to who this guy was. Uh, and Jesus says this in, in the Gospels, is who do people say that I am? And some people were saying Maybe he's John the Baptist reincarnated. So this theory is saying maybe John the Baptist existed and, and some of the things he did, the miracles he did, could be attributed to Jesus. And they'll say things like, you know, Elijah and Elisha, which one did these miracles? Well, if you're not well read in the Bible, we will confuse uh, miracles from Elijah and Elisha. We'll, well, which one was it? You know, because they both were working together. And, and, and which one? We get confused on Bible stories easily. And so that's, is it, is it possible the disciples had come up with all these great stories about this man who wasn't even there, or if he was there, he didn't do the miracles. He didn't raise from the dead and they did it to make profit. 
They did it to make money. Uh, they wanted to gain fame and fortune after Jesus died. That's a theory. I think that one's pretty hokey too, because if you think about it, every one of the disciples died a terrible, painful death. Well, maybe they made that up too. Maybe early Christians made that up. Maybe that, that didn't happen. Fox's Book of Martyrs is just a, maybe that's not true. Those are just stories that were circulated over and over and over. None of that's true. But that's a theory, deliberate lies. Uh, number eight is mistaken identity. And that is that people teach the disciples just basically mistook a, a guy who lived at the same time in the same area who just looked like Jesus. And so they saw him out and they said, hey, that's Jesus. He's rose from the dead. And, you know, Jesus does on occasion change his appearance. You know, Luke 24, they thought it was just this guy walking along the road, some stranger. And, and maybe it was their grief. Maybe it was wishful thinking. But anyways, the man that they saw wasn't Jesus at all. It's just someone who looked like Jesus. It's kind of his doppelganger. You know, it's his, it's the guy who kind of looked like him. It wasn't him, but it kind of looked like him. And so they just went around telling people, we saw Jesus in town. Hey, we saw Jesus over here. Hey, we saw Jesus over there. And it's kind of like, where's Waldo? He's all around us, but we, you know, he's blending in. And so they will teach this theory. It's just mistaken identity. He, he died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb, but he never, ever rose. And so these are, these are the, that's eight that I've come up with. I know that there are more. Let me give you the ninth one, the final, the final theory, if you want to call it. People will say this is a theory. I believe it is absolute, not only biblical truth, but historical fact that there was a literal body resurrection of Jesus. I can take you to not just New Testament documents and the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies, well over 300, but I can take you to Roman historians. I can take you Tacitus and all these guys. I can take you to Jewish historians like Josephus. I can take you to men like Paul, who was a diehard, ultra-conservative, pharisaical Jew who converted because of a resurrection appearance to him in Acts chapter 9, which he can't help but tell everywhere. And he goes through and tells how he was beaten for this. He was persecuted for this. He lost lost out on, on, on things with his family, with his friends. He was beaten. He was, you know, they tried to kill him so many times, stoning him to death. We have all these stories. And the, the Gospels, by the way, just think for just a moment of how expensive it would have been to produce the sheer volume of text for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Think about how much money it would have cost and how much labor, intensive labor, to write those books. And when you sign a document like that and you say, it is mine, I associate myself with it, the death sentence has been ordered to you by both the Jews and the Romans in that day. They did not want people teaching about Jesus. I mean, they beat, they beat the disciples a couple of occasions in the book of Acts alone. And I believe in the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus. And I believe that he was raised from the dead by the supernatural power of God. I believe in everything Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 about it. And I believe he rose up exactly as he promised he would. This is what he said he would do. And he did it. He did exactly what he promised he would do. He raised up on the third day. And I believe it. But I don't just believe it because it's just some theory or because it sounds good or because my parents taught me that or because I, you know, I saw it on a t-shirt once. I believe it because 
not only when I read the scriptures does it impact me, but I have personal proof of answered prayers and of the salvation of my sins and the change that has taken place in my life and in the people that I've seen who have who have done some terrible things and committed all kinds of sins, but have experienced the forgiveness of Jesus and have experienced what it means to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, I believe. And so when I conclude, after looking at all those theories, I say it takes more faith <laughs> to believe in those kinds of things. To, I mean, you think about how people had to create these theories and then teach these theories when it would be so much easier to just say yes. For 2,000 years, no one uh, you know, has been able to prove Jesus didn't exist. But I can prove to you through various witnesses and historical stories and facts that not only did he exist and die on the cross and rose the third day, but literally millions upon millions of people have followed his teaching and have done exactly what he taught them to do and received the rewards that he promised to his original disciples. I believe that. It's not a theory to me. It's obvious. It's uh, it's plausible. It, it, it's based on common sense reasoning. And the non-believers may call us religious nuts for believing it. But at least we have a faith in something that's substantiated by evidence. It's, it's proven by eyewitness testimony. Undeniable changes in the, in the framework of the course of human history. You cannot. It, it's, it would be more difficult to try to prove Jesus did not exist. You can't. You can't do it because there is so much evidence. It's overwhelming to me. I don't know if you've read the case for Christ, but it is overwhelming to me, the evidence. And, and going back to the eyewitnesses, I think about these men. You know, I've, I've told a lie before, and maybe I think if you were honest, okay, you, you've probably told a lie or two before as well. And you've probably told some big honking lies. You've probably lied to your parents or to your children. You've probably uh, told a lie at school to your teacher. We've told lies before. We've all been guilty of that. But there is not a single lie that I could tell and face the death penalty for it. And I guarantee you that no matter how hard I try, no matter how much brainwashing I tried to do on a group of hundreds of people that they would all die for the exact same cause. A terrible, cruel death. There are stories of the early Christians where, where, they were, where they were killing people in the streets. Deny Jesus is the Son of God. No. Deny Jesus is the Son of God. No, I will not. I do believe he's the Son of God. I'm going to give you one last choice. One last chance, the Romans would say. Deny it. Roman, Romans would say Caesar is God. Jesus is not. And upon the third time that the Christians would say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, the Romans would kill them in the street, and then they would move to the next Christian. If you watched all of your family and your children be slaughtered, and all these terrible atrocities happen to every person in your village, every person in your church, every person in your community who claimed that they were a Christian, are you? would you really... Hold to the fact that it, Jesus rose from the dead? 
I mean, it, think about it, what kind of an influence you'd have to have over people to not only teach that as a lie, but make it stand for 2,000 years. It's just not possible. So I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. All these theories, I, ha I put no, no thought towards it at all. These are all false. They're fake. Those are the fictional stories. Jesus is the Son of God. He did raise from the dead. He did ascend into heaven, and he is at the right hand of God. And I am willing to say that. I'm willing to stand for that. And God forbid I be given the, the opportunity. I would, I would die for my faith. And there are a lot of people who probably feel the same way. We hope that it never has to happen. But would we be willing to say, I truly believe no matter what? I can point to thousands upon thousands, even this very day, maybe even this very hour. There are Christians all around the planet in foreign countries that are meeting in secret and are willing to die to preserve the Bible, to be able to stand up for Christianity. They're willing to give their life. You don't do that for a lie. You only do it for something that not only you believe in, but you have evidence of. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So where's my faith come from? It comes from hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17, and believing in it. I've heard the word. I've read of the stories of Jesus and I have experienced the changes in my own life. I believe now, I believed yesterday, and I'm going to believe tomorrow. No one's going to take my faith from me. I truly believe in Jesus. And I hope that you do too. I'll tell you what, I don't know where you are in your walk and in your faith, but if you ever need encouragement, continue to tune into this podcast. I can give you other podcasts to listen to. Write to me if you need prayer, whatever I can do to help you in your walk with God. And it suggests some books to read, some passages in the Bible to help you with this or any other Bible subject. That's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. Let's believe and let's share that message with the world. Thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. Follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. Also, if you'd like to suggest a topic for an upcoming broadcast, or if you'd like to email me a question, or if you have a prayer request, you can send that to rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day, and may the Lord bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus.